Girls are tied to beds for two reasons. Sex and exorcisms. Mm. So which was it with you? <laughs> My feminism is about blazing a new way through old traditions. <laughs> Owning our bodies. So what do you do? I'm a writer. But I, I, I'm trying to nail the work-life balance, or more like the work-party balance. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 241. Releasing in Australian cinemas on September 13 is Animals, an adaptation of Emma Jane Unsworth's novel, the stars Holiday Granger and Alia Shawkat as best friends who, after a decade of partying it up in Dublin, find their friendship strained when one of them falls in love. A bold and ambitious look at female friendships, Animals also makes the first drama feature to film to be made under Australia's co-production treaty with Ireland. To talk about this and much more, I am joined by the film's director and producer, Sophie Hyde. Sophie, I thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me in. So, I read in a previous interview that when you read um, the novel of Animals, that the characters were very familiar to you, but it's not something you necessarily saw on the screen, whether it be a movie screen or TV screen. Is that something that really drove you to want to do this film? I think so, yes. I mean, you, you know, for myself growing up, you know, we, we kind of get to identify with characters on screen, and I'm a strong believer in the stories we tell sort of shaping who we are culturally. Um, and so when you realise that there's a whole part of your life that is so such a big part of your life, but you're not seeing reflected back, um, there is some compulsion to do it. Yeah. And is that something that drives your other material as well, like when it comes to 52 Tuesdays or your TV work as well? Does that kind of drive that you want to have characters on the screen that, that uh, reflect something in your own life? Is that something that really drives you to create other projects as well? Yeah, I think I want characters to reflect something in my own life, but also things that I see around me that I'm, I don't feel are reflected on the screen. The screen, screen is still very, you know, homogenous in the most part, I think. And life doesn't feel like that all the time. And um, so I am looking for people that are, I suppose, underrepresented. But it's not like I go out seeking that. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to see faces and the kind of stories that I feel like are lacking. Um, they're the things that interest me and I want to dig down into, for sure. I mentioned in the intro that this is an adaptation of Emma Jane Unsworth's novel. Um, it's not, it's very rare that you find that a filmmaker will have the author of the source material adapt their work for the screen. Was it always uh, in this case that you wanted Emma to adapt the screenplay uh, for you? Well, amazingly, um, our British producer, Sarah Brocklehurst, optioned the, the book before it was released, and there was quite a lot of interest in it, but, and Sarah was quite fresh. Um, but Emma and Sarah had a really strong uh, connection and an idea about the movie. And it was always going to be Emma that was adapting it. So when they came to me to um, come on board, they were definitely looking for a director who had a take, who would bring an idea and um, a way of adapting it to the screen. But they always were going to work with Emma as their lead writer. Yeah. And at this point, did Emma already have some stuff, uh, ideas in regards to how she wanted her own novel transition to the big screen? They'd certainly been working on it. Um, and what they sent me, you know, was one take on it. But, when I read it, I also read the book and I found 
the book just so there were so many things in the book that I could understand why they had removed those from the original idea for the cinema. Mm-hmm. But they they are things that I wanted to explore, and they're tricky. You know, it's a first person narrative, um, and I and and we sort of pushed it so that it wasn't voiceover and um, trying to sort of make a story that reflected my experience reading the book, which was that it was a little bit unconventional. It wasn't completely um, telling a a story of kind of a rom-com or something. So I wanted to find those elements that I loved and and allow them to be on screen. I mentioned before that this is the first feature film to be made under the co-production between Australia and Ireland. This was back, made back, I think, 97, 99. Um, so there's been TV shows, other, thing, other things as well. But this is a first film, and that means a change in scenery for the setting of the movie. Uh, the book's based in Manchester, the movie's based in Dublin. Um, when that change comes along, is there a bit of, uh, I don't know, any type of hesitation on the part of, say, Emma or anyone else, or is it something that's really natural and came across as a really kind of... Uh, um, a progressive way to kind of get this story to move forward? Mm, actually, both of those things are true. You know, when when you're making a film, you know, it's a real mix between having a vision and also having um, a way of working with other people and achieving things, um, uh, a collaboration, but also sometimes a compromise. And so when the idea of moving it to Dublin came along, we could have all felt that that was really terrible. And I think for a minute, Emma, who wrote the book in Dublin, in Manchester, was probably a little bit heartbroken. But you have a choice at that moment to say, well, what's the essence of this story? Like, can we adapt? You know, there already exists a book. Can we make an adaptation that really fits and really resonates and is better for being in Dublin, in fact? And so that's what we did. We fully embraced it. And I think we all knew that Dublin was the right kind of city for it. And so then it was just a matter of really getting into it and saying, well, what's what is it that Dublin does to these characters? What is it that Dublin offers us for the screen? I think for myself, just looking at the transition of Ireland as a whole in Dublin and the kind of the change in regards to attitudes towards gender, towards sex, towards sexuality over the decades, that makes for a very interesting choice as well. I, th- I really think so. I mean, Dublin always has this literary history, and that's a big part of the novel as well, this kind of sense that the girls spout poetry and they have a kind of pretension to them that comes from having, you know, studied at university um, English or something. Um, But, you know, Dublin is full of poetry. It's also full of drinking, and that's the other side of these women. You know, they drink a lot. But you're right, there is a kind of political edge. And while we were there, there was the repeal, the eighth vote, which was about um, abortion. Um, And, you know, they did marriage equality before Australia did marriage equality. Um, Ireland is fighting in a very feisty way. But it's a very strong question about what women do with their bodies that is raised all the time. And that's a question that exists in animals as well. Let's talk about casting. So Holiday Granger plays the part of Laura. Interestingly enough, Holiday actually comes from Manchester. So I'd imagine Mm -hmm. she already knew the source material, considering that, number one, it was a very popular film, and number two, it's based in her home city. That's right. I mean, we originally approached Holiday as a true man. Union, as I would say, um, and um, she knew the material and responded very strongly to the material. The thing about Holly is that she's also just such a great actor, and I, I felt that she really was ready to embrace this role. So when we moved to Dublin, we asked her to stay on, and she um, leaped at it, you know, leapt at it, and um, learned this incredible Dublin accent. Um, but both of our cast, you know, we had on from the beginning, and they stayed with us right through, which was great. 
the accent is very interesting because I think kind of like similar to how people from different countries tackle the Australian accent, even if they're from England or New Zealand, for example, we're very kind of protective and very kind of sceptical of it as well. Um, but the Irish accent that Holiday does, just it, it, to my eyes, uh, to my ears, sorry, anyway, just comes across as flawless. When you first heard her um, on set doing um, Laura with the Irish accent, put a new voice to a, to a, to a character already personified in another medium, uh, what was that experience like? I mean, Holiday worked really hard at that accent. And um, so even from the very early rehearsals, she was often in accent and she really wanted people to call her up on it. So she was very open about it, you know, with the cast and crew. Um, I think her accent's exceptional. Like um, we had people on, it was really hard because we were all from all over the world. So it wasn't like she was surrounded by the Dublin accent all mm. the time. And um, But we had people on the set who she really looked to, to kind of con consider you know whether she was ever getting things um off kilter but it's true like australians the irish are protective of their accent because it's mostly done badly and um you know <laughs> i had a funny story where at a screening two irish guys came up and one said oh man the accent was so good i just loved it so much and the other one said yeah it was all right 70 percent." but that other guy who plays her boyfriend i mean his was a bit ropey <laughs> and it was like that's his accent <laughs> like that's just his normal accent so like us you know we, we, we like conscious words sometimes, um, but I think most people be very pleased. It was amazing to listen to, by the way, because she, uh, Holly has a natural Manchester accent, yep. and um, where, for me, I mostly heard her in the Dublin accent while we were together. And so when I see her now, she speaks in her normal voice, and it always takes me a couple of days to to grow into it, <laughs> to warm to it. Yeah. The thing that really strikes me about this movie is you mentioned before that it's made of people from different parts of the world. You have an Australian actor working with a, a British actress and an American actress filming a story set in Ireland. I mean, it's just a really cool, a cool kind of thing place where we're at now these days with people from all corners of the world it's not as segregated as it used to be stories and um, actors and directors they can come together and do some really cool things together. I, I really agree. I think it's necessary as well because culturally we exist across um, international countries now. You know, these, the story of these women, you know, although it is specifically set in Manchester in the book and specifically in Dublin in the film, it relates, like we relate to it here in Australia. And so our cast and crew are British, Australian, Irish, you know, we, we cross over and there's many of us from all of those places. Speaking of relating to something, um, Laura's struggle with her creative process is something I can really relate to as well. I, I call it um, creative limbo. It's kind of like sometimes where you're just stuck on, in a rut. Not really writer's block. You know what you want to write. You just don't know how to put it to paper. Um, it's really interesting as well because she does a lot of her stuff in a notepad. I write all of my reviews um, pen and paper first with drafts and such. Um, when presenting that on screen, the struggle to of the creative process. Um, do you Did you look at your own life in any way and look at the things that maybe you struggled with in regards to scripts, in regards to development of characters and kind of brought that into what um, the character of Laura was um, uh, struggling with? Yeah, 100%. Every time I make a film, um, I'm asking myself all these questions and trying to dig deep into what I feel. And I'm asking everyone around to do that too, like all of the crew and the cast um, to kind of you know, find that thing that we all connect with. And um, in terms of Laura's creative struggle, I mean, that's just the struggle of making. You know, I think that exists all the time, even when you're really prolific, unlike Laura. 
um, you know, you it is a battle of between, you know, wanting to experience the world and kind of trying to find like all of the most interesting ways of, of tackling ideas and actually just sitting down and doing the work, you know. And these things are require constant tools and ways of doing them. You know, I too have a book that I scribble in constantly. Mm. <laughs> so I relate, you know, heavily to this. And even though I've been making a lot over the last handful of years, there are projects that, you know, I'm constantly working on that haven't moved. And that's just the nature of what we do. I think we have so many expectations on us now that, you know, so many things that are supposed to be going well in our life, um, as well as, you know, partying very hard and man- maintaining all of these other things that I think it's a struggle that's very real for loads of people. A thing that I think a lot of people will also relate to in this movie is the relationship between Laura and Tyler in regards to... Tyler is a lot of things to Laura. She comes across as a muse. She's a best friend. She's a confidant. She's also suffering off a barrier as well to uh, Laura's kind of progress in regards to her being an artist and to her being a person as well. And I think a lot of people have that, have that kind of influence in their lives. Myself in the 20s, I had people like that in my life, which I just had to kind of cut away, kind of like a bad infection, you know. It's kind of like you've got to amputate the arm to, to get away so it doesn't infect the whole body. Um, when it came to that part of the story, did, did you also have to, at some time in your life as well, have to look at the people around you and see how they were affecting yourself, and not only as a person, but as a filmmaker, as an artist? Because when it comes to the arts particularly, doing stories, doing film, there has to be a certain amount of focus and a certain amount of um, uh, um, um, dedication to that that I think sometimes people don't see and they might get in the way of. Hmm. I mean, I'm a terrible friend, let's face it. Like, I love my friends and I don't think I've ever cut somebody off specifically. Um, but, I, you know, I'm a busy, very busy person and I put myself into my work all the time. Um, I think... The interesting thing about a friendship like we see on the screen with Laura and Tyler is there is a sense that they're stuck and that they're stifling each other and certainly that Tyler doesn't want Laura to move or change. It's hard to watch somebody change when they're essentially letting go of the thing that connects you. But I also think of that friendship as being, you know, although codependent, also really full of a great amount of love and also pushing Laura to not accept the status quo. And one of the great things Tyler does, although she does it badly a lot of the time, is she really asks Laura to be a better version of herself than she might if she just panicked and um, settled down. There's something about, and so we were very conscious of that being a part of the story, that, yeah, there is a sense that Laura needs to leave Tyler um, because she actually just needs to embrace something else in her life, but that we were still celebrating that friendship and what Tyler offers. You know, most friends... You know, you can't necessarily be around them all the time, but they are really important provocation, I think, to your own life. Final question here, Sophie. Um, the term that a lot of people use when, say, reviewing your movie Animals or the book even, in other movies as well, is coming of age. And I always found it kind of a peculiar term because... To me, no one really comes of age. It's a bit of a falsehood. We're always constantly changing. We're always evolving. We're always doing new things. What do you think of that term yourself? I mean, when you approach this type of material, is that like even a term that you don't even want to touch in regards to the progress of these characters? <laughs> well, I love coming-of-age movies, um, but it's such a crazy term. I mean, coming-of-age implies that we come of age and we become adults and suddenly we're respectable and we don't have anything we have. You know, we're the adults of the world and we have the answers, which we all know is 
Um, you know, so we re, you know, we come of age over and over in our lives for sure. Like we move through different seasons of our life and try and work our, our shit out. Excuse my swearing. No, go ahead. <laughs> you can swear away here. That's fine. Oh, good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, but the, the the reason I like what is usually categorized as a coming of age film is I like to watch people try, you know, like yeah. people working hard at something and, and, and kind of that's not always easy. So they're often getting it wrong or they're just working hard at trying to work their own stuff out. And to me, that's what a coming of age film is. It's those moments where you sort of, you know, you have to shift and change and it's a bit of a hard thing to do. So for everyone out there listening, September 13th in Australian cinemas, Animals, the latest film from Sophie Hyde, who I'm glad to say I had much so much pleasure talking to you about your movie. Congratulations with the film, by the way. Um, I watched it like a week ago and I loved it. And um, I look forward to seeing everyone else out there in Australia watch as well. Sophie, I thank you very much thanks. for joining me. Thanks so much.